Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express Impress and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail. Today, at this point, I'm joined by Andy Skinner and Sean Wallace. How are we, guys? Good, thanks. All good, thanks, Ryan. Yeah, yourself? Yeah, yeah, not bad. Uh, later on, we'll be joined by Jamie Jennett, who will help us wade through uh, the Championship Mayor, Cove Rangers, um, as well as talking about League One's Peter Head. But as well as all that, we'll have to discuss, of course, Aberdeen's win against St Johnston, their upcoming games with Livingston and Annan. In the few days ahead, Leighton Clarkson impressing again the Liverpool only at the weekend. Uh, Ross County as well, they won. Um, the re- referee was questionable, I think, at the weekend against Kilmarnock, but Awura Edwards, good to see him scoring. So we'll discuss the Staggies uh, Inverness. Surprise, heavy loss to Park Thistle for them, which we'll have to get into, and there'll be Elgin City to discuss as well. But yeah, Sean, uh, St Johnston. The usual game at St Johnston for Aberdeen, I think, tight uh, at McDermott Park at the weekend, but Leighton Clarkson making the difference with a fantastic free kick. I think in his three games for the Don so far, he's been excellent, anonymous, excellent. So is he going to be anonymous this weekend? Uh, no, <laughs> my prediction is that he will be excellent yet again. Okay. I think, I think the, the, the thing with Clarkson is that in the game where he was pretty much anonymous was the, the the defeat against Motherwell and I think a key component of that was that Ross McCrory had to drop back in the centre back for that match and Aberdeen really miss McCrory in midfield and that sort of aggression and drive from McCrory it denied Clarkson this chance to push forward and be more attacking so I, I think with McCrory in the centre midfield Alongside uh, Ramadani on Saturday, I think I'll give more onus on Clarkson, who operated like, sort of in the middle of a three behind Bojan Majowski in Perth. I think I'll give him more onus to show his attacking class. I wholly anticipate uh, Clarkson having another impressive game. And the thing that I, I really liked about him is, I mean, it was an absolute screamer. He pinged in his second in three games, but... His game is so much more than just being able to score like eye-catching goals. His range of passing and his vision is superb. I mean, there was one pass when he was like near the halfway line and he saw a run from Majowski into the box and he just threaded through this impeccable pass and it just missed Majowski. But that's what he's capable of doing. So I'm going to put my neck on the line and say he's going to have another quality game on Saturday. How good do you think he is, Sean? He's obviously twenty now, and he's come to the he's come to the Dons. I would I'd go out on a limb and say that no matter what he does at Aberdeen, he probably isn't in Liverpool's long term plans. But do we think this is a Premier League player that the Dons are getting a shot of, similar to maybe James Madison? It's it's difficult to say just on like the basis of three games, but so far he certainly looks like he's a class act that is capable of making that progression up to play in the Premier League I mean like he says it's, he's going to have to make a, one hell of a progression to have a chance of breaking into Liverpool's first team but I mean there's nothing to say he can't play maybe for another club at that level I mean as, as a lot of people said that he's physically he's perhaps, he perhaps needs to bulk up which he does but the one thing he's not lacking is fight, and he's definitely up for a battle. I mean, he had a, a couple of ding-dong 
battles with uh, Daniel Phillips in the heart of midfield at St Johnston. He more than held his own. So he just needs to maybe put on that bulk. And he's only 20, so that can come. But there's no there's no doubt in his quality, especially in the Premiership. I mean, he, he just stands out for Aberdeen. Was it a comfortable win, would you say, for Aberdeen the weekend without being a sparkling win? Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't a great game and it wasn't a stinker either. So <laughs> midway, and Aberdeen dominated for most of it. They should have... I mean, they should have won by by more. I mean, Mayovsky had the goal chalked off. Like post match, it was very tight. Post match, Jim Goodwin said that he watched it and it looked to be the right decision. But I've still got my doubts. I think he was like marginally onside. Yeah, Shaden Morris had a couple of good chances. He was clean on when the keeper late on should perhaps have buried it. I think Ross McCrory, who was very impressive yet again in that midfield to lead a couple of chances. Duke Lopez. I mean, they should have won by maybe 2 or 3 now. So Johnston offered very little up front. But if, I don't know if that was down to St Johnston's lack of attacking threat or just Aberdeen's defence being far more solid. You've uh, been writing this week about um, somebody that is not a summer addition. Aberdeen, Johnny Hayes I think at one point in your column you may have even suggested uh, forgive me if I'm taking your words out of context here or misrepresenting you but you may have suggested that not only do you have another another year left in him after this one that it could be three, four, five years (laughs) well who knows I mean he's not Sir Stanley Matthews I don't see him playing until he's 50 (laughs) but (laughs) but yeah yeah, why not? Another couple of seasons. I mean, Johnny Hayes, for me, has been a standout player of the season so far. He was very good towards the end of last season. And I mean, he's 35, but he's got the pace of a 21-year-old. His engine is unbelievable. He, he, he like powers up and down that wing. He's still got his attacking threat. I mean, he's a leader. He's a winner. His importance off the, the pitch as well. I mean, he's part of the. He started coaching with the in the youth academy. I mean, everything about Johnny Hayes ticks the boxes for saying give him another deal. Obviously, it's very early days yet. We only a few games into the new season, and a lot can happen. Fingers crossed, he doesn't have an injury. But from from what I'm seeing at the moment, I would suggest that Johnny Hayes is it got at least beyond this campaign at least one more season playing at a very high level for Aberdeen so I think it's a no-brainer to at some point in this campaign give him a new deal just one year and then take it season to season but I mean he offers so much I mean even just off the pitch I mean when he came back from Celtic he deferred his wages for a year to make that deal go through which underlines just how much the club means to him I mean yeah, Redden were interested in, in him at the time. He could easily have went there. Probably got more money. Certainly I've got his wages <laughs> during that year. And then even before he went to Celtic, in the January of that year, the transfer window, Cardiff showed a lot of interest in trying to sign him. Didn't happen. But then in the, the February, just weeks after that, he signed a new deal. Deal Could easily have let his contract run down, left in the summer, and Aberdeen wouldn't have got a bean. But he signed a new 
extension and Aberdeen ended up getting about a million quid from Celtic. So I'd say the marker, Johnny Hayes, is a man. And as a player, I think he's a fantastic, fantastic uh, integral part of the Aberdeen team. Plenty of praise at the weekend as well for Hayden Coulson, who returned to the fold at left back. He looks like a cracking player. Um, this week coming up, quite big for the Dons, I would say. They've got Livy this weekend. Livy, I think, had a pretty decent start to the Premiership campaign. Um, disappointing result last weekend. I think they lost 1-0 to Motherwell. Um, this, to me, feels like the next chance, the latest chance for Aberdeen to show they can string results together, which is exactly <laughs> what we said after the St Mirren game. And then, obviously, the performance, their own performance against Motherwell came along. So they'll hope to do that. And then, big game next midweek against an athletic long trip down the road but they'll want to progress and keep their league cup hopes alive because I mean their best chance of silverware is of course the cup competitions you're, you're right about uh, Hayden Coulson he had a, a great game against St Johnston uh, very very dangerous going forward but what I like about Coulson is that he tracks back very well and he's so solid defensively I think he's a, a a great acquisition from Middlesbrough and his deal's up at the end of the year so <laughs> I see Jamie Nodding as his team <laughs> yeah 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 a great acquisition from Middlesbrough and if he continues playing like this I mean Aberdeen they've, they've got to make try and make make him a permanent signing which isn't good really for Jack McKenzie who's got back to fitness but now He's got to fight his way back into the, the first team setup. If starting 11, it's going to be difficult if uh, Coulson continues to perform like that. And like you said, with, with regards to getting some consistency, you're spot on. There's no point winning one game and then blowing up the next. They need to start getting a run of wins together. Livingston's going to be a tough one. I, I predict they'll edge that. And then Annan Athwek, I uh, can't see anything but an Aberdeen win there. Uh, Annan on Tuesday night just edged past East Kilbride on penalties. They lost to Stirling Albion the game before that, and they've also lost, I think it was 4 0 to Dumbarton. Two teams that Aberdeen comprehensively sort of swept aside in the group stage. So I can't see anything other than a, an Aberdeen win against Annan. So hopefully the, the five-hour journey is worth it. Could be two big wins for Aberdeen in the week ahead. Then, apologies by the way, listeners, if it's particularly noisy. When I speak today, I'm I'm sitting next to a room where there's a very important business meeting going on. Uh, it sounds, sounds like a lot of fun. They clearly don't know that I'm in here talking about serious <laughs> issues like the dandies. Uh, next up, though, we will move on to Ross County and their, their win at the weekend, which was not without... Controversy. Right, Andy County at the weekend getting off the mark in terms of Premiership wins. Awura Edwards goal, the difference. Good for my fantasy team, that one. High hopes for him. That's the first time he's actually managed to find the net. It was a much needed win for County, was it? Well, we'll come on to other things that may have happened in the game, but firstly, yeah, just focusing on County picking up those three points. Very much so. Um, I mean, given that they play Rangers this weekend, um, I was looking at the Kilmarnock game, having you know obviously lost their opening three games, and it became quite 
important for them to get at least something from the game. Um, you know, ideally win it because, you know, we we spoke last week as well about, you know, just some of the the reminders of last season that were starting to creep in. Um, the, you know, they obviously went ten games without winning a game, and the longer it goes on this time around, the more you know the narrative that well you started poorly last season and had to turn it around uh, well you have to do that again sort of thing will pop up so just to nip that in the bud and, and get those three points um, was was important the way they did it as well with 10 men at the time um, you know it, it shows that there's a a bit of a spirit and a character that's um, kind of grown in the side in a matter of a few weeks because it's it's still very much a new look side so it was encouraging to see that uh, you know some of the new players that have come in from predominantly English football have kind of you know got to grips with some of the um, you know more rugged uh, parts of Scottish football because it was uh, it was certainly a game of of that nature as uh, I'm sure we'll come to later. <laughs> well, I was going to say if 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 they weren't clear in some of the tackles that can go in in Scottish top flight games, and they are now. Uh, how? Can you tell me, I know the Dingwall, the Dingwall crowd can get on top of the referee and maybe influence their decision, but how, how on earth was, for me, I'm trying to weigh it up, but I think Ross Callahan's first tackle was the one for me, that when you see it, it's the replay when it's like you're like front on to the tackle, and you almost see him, not only does he go in lunging in so high, he then, after he connects, somehow manages to like also do a sort of figure four leg lock, on the guy and like so, like take him down. Take so not only does he like study him, he then like managed to in midair wrap his legs around him. And uh, how how did that not go down as a straight red for Callahan? Do you do you know? Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, uh, David Monroe's not uh, had the opportunity to to explain his thinking publicly. Um, we had the perfect view of it from the press box, and you know we had the perfect view of the Jack Baldwin one as well. Both tackles were right in front of us, and. Um, yeah, I mean the Callican one was, you know, just so blatant. Um, you know the way that he, he, he kind of, you know, just charged in, having obviously lost the the foot race um, against the the Kelly player, um, who was you know showing a real turn of pace. But yeah, I've, I've no idea how he managed to uh, stay on the park after that one and. If anything, I suppose, you know, you, you felt he was walking a bit of a tightrope after that, but you didn't expect it would take until 81 minutes for him to to maybe get the second yellow. Um, but, I mean, the Baldwin one as well was kind of open to interpretation at the time, we felt. Um, you know, it looked over robust, clearly. Um, he overran his own sort of possession of the ball and, and then just crunched into um, Kerr McEnroy. But I think the fact that County have... Uh, you know, reneged on the opportunity to uh, contest both decisions probably speaks volumes for, um, you know, the fact that both of them were probably red card offences. One of them definitely, the other one probably. Um, and, you know, they're both going to be missing for two important games, one at Ibrox this weekend and and one in the League Cup against Celtic, which, you, you know, for two games where County are going to be out of possession quite a lot, it's um, it's a big blow to be without two kind of pivotal figures down the spine of their team. Yeah, as you say, two game bans for those players. Uh, and yeah, I don't. I, I think uh, Derek McInnes summed it up best potentially 
on the sidelines with both tackles where he, I think he, he went on the pitch for both tackles and the second one he sort of just jumped forward onto the pitch and went like that which I thought was quite a uh, it was oh. the first one that he was really irate for. The the first one he was, um, you know, extremely uh, bewildered, as you know a lot of people were. But I mean, it happened right in front of him. Um, I think Callaghan had a go back at him for something that was said, but you know he was really losing the place after the first one. And uh, I mean, Derek after the game did, um, you know, heavily criticised the the first challenge. He, he actually was asked about the Baldwin one as well, and and said it was somewhere between a yellow and a red. So he wasn't completely, um, you know, condemning of the decision for that one. But uh, the Callaghan one, uh, again, just, uh, you know, puzzled him like it did <laughs> a lot of others. Are you talking about the mythical orange card? <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, as you say, they're missing Callahan and Baldwin for the, the Rangers League clash in the Celtic League Cup game. There'll be big misses for them, but I, I can't make up my mind, you know, Rangers, they're probably going in that one as underdogs anyway. So would they prefer to be bigger underdogs, you know, than have those guys missing for a game that would be, you know, they'd potentially be eeksy-peeksy with their opponents with? Or, I mean, the League Cup one, obviously, it's a it's a cup game. It's all, all to play for in the 90 minutes on the day. So, I mean, maybe that's the one where they're a bigger loss. Yeah, I mean, th- this is where Malky Mackay's summer recruitment will be... Um you know, put to the the test, I suppose, for for situations like this, where you know he does have to rely on the cover that he's brought in, because you know there are a few players in the squad that haven't had much game time, um, uh, particularly in the central midfield area. I mean, I look at Victor Latouri, um, and obviously Jordan Tilson, who has been there for a while, has found himself out the team in the last couple of weeks, with Concola and Callaghan having been the the favoured two in midfield. Options like Ben Payton in there as well. Um, so it's a chance for these these guys. I mean, Latouri's the one I'm pinpointing mainly because you know he was a, a summer acquisition. Um, you, you know it could be the platform for him to to go and show that uh, you know he should keep his place in the team. As for the defence, I mean, it, it does actually show that with a couple of injuries and well, one injury to Connor Randall and a suspension to Jack Baldwin, that they are a wee bit short there. Um, I mean, Keith Watson will. Um, almost certainly come in at centre half and as I say Callum Johnson has done really well at right back in in Randall's absence but um, you know beyond that they don't have too much cover now in defence with the the absence of of those two players so um, I think young Dylan Smith's going to be on the the bench for this one Um, so you know Malky Mackay said that he's not expecting too much transfer activity uh, between now and, and the deadline on Thursday but uh, you know, maybe that defensive area, given this situation, might be something that uh, you know does appeal to him if it, the opportunity arises for for him to bring someone else in. I'm conscious that we we've been on the go for 20 minutes here, and uh, to give the listeners an insight, we need to be finished by 11. Uh, no ifs, buts, or maybe. So Inverness briefly, um, a bit of an Aberdeen against St Mirren performance from Inverness on Friday night, a four-one defeat afterwards. I think Billy Dodds put it down to something you can't really account for, which is a lack of hard work from his team. You know, just didn't want it as much as Park Thistle. Morton next. I suppose this is a big one. Similar similar to the situation Aberdeen, I suppose, been against St Johnston. You know, you don't want that that bad day at the office to become a sort of 
a run of bad days at the office do you and then all of a sudden before you know it you're you're out of title contention before you've even started yeah um i mean i'm sure for if there was a lack of hard work in the partick thistle game then um you know there won't have been on the training park this week because you know they'll be eager to put that right i mean it was a surprising one even at the height of inverness's struggles last season when they went on that long run without winning um you know they were never losing games by any more than a single goal so for them to to lose by three was uh, a really hard one for them to take and that's I suppose where they have to now go and show that it was the freak result that they, they say it was and that it was a one-off um, and you know the main thing that I took from it was Partick Thistle laid down a, a real marker in their pursuit of glory this season um, because you know both of those teams were expected at the start of the campaign to, to be up there challenging and um, you know Partick certainly looked like they um, they were more up for that um, Inverness now have the chance to to get back on track and they play Partick again up at Cali Stadium uh, in just over a month's time so I mean if they can stay in a, a or get get back to a, a reasonable kind of run of form before that game comes around then um, you know they'll look to try and show Partick that they're uh, they're up for that uh, that fight get revenge mission on the back page right now for that week uh, anyway another short break and then Jamie will tell us about what's going wrong at Cove Rangers Right, Jamie, Jim McIntyre, and the Cove players himself, to be fair, uh, very disappointed after the 2-1 loss to Ayr last weekend. Connor Scully talking about bad habits, I think his, he was suggesting that when things are maybe getting uncomfortable that Cove were too willing to sort of pump it long and, you know, seed possession to the team or, you know, not, not do what they're good at, which is playing football with the ball on the ground there. Kind of, it feels to me like Cove are in unfamiliar territory at the moment. They've not really had any long periods of adversity I'm not saying this is a long period of adversity yet but you know they're not used to losing games on a consistent basis are they Cove? No and I think in in one of the pieces that I'd written this week that's what I'd kind of that's kind of the line that I'd kind of gone with that for losing three games in a row like the fact that it's been treated as like a bit of a not necessarily a panic situation but real cause for concern is maybe testament to how far Cove have come and the kind of success that they've had, that this is like, they are kind of treating this really seriously. Um, and I can kind of see where Connor Scully is coming from as well. Cause I thought during that game on Saturday, I'd never seen a Cove team um, be as careless with the ball before as that, like through the three years that they've been in the SPFL under Paul Hartley, they'd always been very, the dominated possession against pretty much everybody they were playing against and I get that they're stepping up a level um, and it's going to be uh, an increased challenge but they're still on home soil where again they have dominated for the last three four years but they were just going they were going direct and it wasn't working and the ball was just coming back to them and Air have started the season well with a front kind of three and four that pretty lively and didn't, maybe didn't need any encouragement to get involved in the game and it just caused problems for themselves. And had it not been for the, the kind of the profligacy of the kind of air forwards, it could have been far, far worse. Um, they managed to get themselves like on the board late on with a penalty, but there was no pull, punches pulled from anybody after the game. It was a very poor performance, and it does need addressing because you can't really afford too much of a learning curve in this league. You have got players in the squad who've played at this level before, maybe not for a few years, but 
they've got experience of it and the, there needs to be a corner turned and a kind of things addressed um my own opinion was that they, they didn't look comfortable in the the 442 system that they had at the weekend um maybe they need to kind of go back to something that they're familiar with um i know they've kind of tried a few formations so far this season and not really stuck with one maybe kind of going back to the kind of 4231 that they started with or the back four sorry the back five that they kind of played with last year and had so much success maybe that's something that they need to look at um they're not helped by the injury and absentee issues that they've got they're already without Blair Yule and um Evan Towler through injury and illness and then they lost Mark Reynolds Scott Ross and Mitch Meganson last weekend um we don't know yet if any of them are going to make it for the weekend Blair Yule definitely won't it's remains to be seen whether any of the other four will make it um but Queen's Park again they've started the season well They've now a full-time team and they've kind of made no bones about their ambition to try and push up the leagues as, as fast as possible. So it's not going to get any easier for Cove. Um, they're going to be playing full-time teams most weeks. So something needs to be something needs to be done. Um, it's still early in the season, which is the, the one upside. There's time to address things and kind of put things right. But you'd rather have that sooner, um, sooner than later. Yeah, I suppose what we don't want to happen a little bit this season is they'll be because it's their first championship campaign I'm sure there's every weekend they play at the Balmoral Stadium there's quite a few new faces coming along to see what Cove are all about and as you say if it's gonna if it's shelling the ball and you know not playing particularly well then yeah, don't want to you know not have those people come back Peterhead Jamie another one of your specialties they I think they lost 4-1 against Queen in the South despite going a goal up early on. Um, they play Alloa next. I suppose Queen in the South are a team that are in League One that shouldn't really be in League One. We don't really associate them with being a, a League One side despite a slow start of the season. But Alloa, to me, the way things are sitting at the moment looks like a, a winnable game for Peterhead who appear to be getting stronger every week in terms of numbers as well. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I think they're still looking to add a few more bodies to the squad. I mean, I think they've already signed 15 players by my count um, after letting four, after 14 players left at the end of last season. Um, and this, Jim McAnally is still working on a couple more things to get over the line. So it's going to be a very new look, Peterhead. Um, it remains to be seen kind of what quality they can produce because these players do need to take take a bit of time to to gel um we'd seen a kind of another new face last weekend in Prince Asare who's very much an unknown in, in terms of kind of football in Scotland but Jim McAnally sees something in him like talent wise I think he's he's pre- pretty much as good as they could have could have hoped for but he just needs kind of a little bit of education and time to get up to speed with with what Peter Heads will expect from him um and there's maybe kind of a couple more forward options that they're looking at as well um, they're still short of a couple of bodies in terms of the the more kind of seasoned pros or the kind of the faces that you expect around the place, like the two Andes, McDonald and McCarthy, are going to be are still going to be out. But the way the way League One is shaping up, it's going to be ridiculously competitive throughout the season, and many people will have tipped Peterhead to struggle at the start. Um, whether you can use that as motivation or not, I don't know. Um, you probably have to ask Jim about it, but I think. The needs again. They need to get a, a result at some point to get them to get them going. Um, whether Alloa is the one to do it, um, I don't know. But they need to kind of start picking up points sooner rather than later because 
a new team coming together, it, they can kind of bond around positive results. If you've got a new team coming together and they're struggling to get anything going, then it's going to be uh, it's going to be very difficult for them. Third consecutive two two draw. What a difference a week makes actually for Elgin in terms of feeling because. Uh, when they then beat Stenhouse Muir 3 1 the SPFL Trust Trophy to move into the third round of that in midweek, you kind of start looking and going, well, yeah, they drew another league game, but, and, you know, these league games have tended to be like quite topsy turvy and the opportunities to win them, but it still feels like they're doing something right because they're not getting beat in games. Yeah, they're unbeaten in five now, which is a good positive for them. Um, I mean, the three league games have all been draws um, and they've all been 2-2 actually so I mean that points to a, a concern that they'll have about conceding goals but um, you know you're right to say the SPFL Trust Trophy um, has been certainly a good thing for them at this point that win over Stenhouse Muir was a, a, a positive one for them and uh, you know the best thing that that uh, competition might do is just sort of get them back into that winning habit uh, very tough one for them this weekend Against Dumbarton, though they're a hundred percenters so far in League Two, so um, that's that's going to be a tricky test for them, but uh, a good opportunity for Elgin to test themselves against one of the sides that will be right up there. All right, well that'll about do us. I'll wrap up this week's episode of Northern Goal. Thanks to Jamie who joined us latterly. Cheers, Jamie. Um, Andy and Sean as well, of course. No bother. Thank no you. No bother. Cheers. Hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Northern Goal. I'm sure it'll f- sound totally fine once it's all stitched together, despite internet connections dropping off, people coming in and out, uh, people phoning me on Teams during this, people speaking in the background, walking past, slamming doors. None of that. You'll hear none of that. Um, but if you liked the episode, you can like subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can email any questions or queries to Northern Goal at dctmedia.co.uk and enjoy the football, whichever games you're watching this weekend. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.